Happy 2017, everyone. We're happy to be back. Before we dive into our first episode of the new year, we wanted to ask you for two favors. They're easy. They'll take you less than five minutes to do total. One, follow us on Twitter, at ListenInPod. That's at ListenInPod. And number two, just give us a review on iTunes. Don't make us beg. It's easy enough. Just hop on there, onto iTunes, search Listen In Podcast, scroll through and find us, and then just write us a simple review and give us a star rating. Five stars would be appreciated. If you don't have it in your heart, that's fine. But if you do, uh, feel free to throw some love our way. And with that, let's go. Episode 54 of the Listening Podcast. This is our first episode of 2017. We're talking most anticipated albums of 2017. Big episode for us. First one back after a little break. Jake. We got to bring the fire today. We got to bring the thunder. That's I'm excited right. to be back. This is, uh, you know, what I noticed is that as we were getting to, through those end of year episodes, which were great and I enjoyed doing very much. The weight of 2016, oh, no. the weight crushed us like a diamond. Seriously. There's so much to talk about, and we had to cover every base. First episode of 2017, i got to say, I feel like I just took a good dump. Feels fresh. Yeah, I feel like you I feel lost loose. some weight. I do. I, I, I do, too. i, 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 I got to tighten my belt. <laughs> I'm wrong. I know. I was looking forward to it. I was excited. It's a fresh slate. It, it feels good to have a full year of music ahead of you. Honestly, my favorite thing about music or the year of music is just the... The excitement and yeah. the hype of what's what's ahead, what's coming, what can we expect? Well, and what it's starting. Especially to... I love ranking things. This is this is great. Seeing the the, the fresh spreadsheet, oh, yes. the fresh virginal spreadsheet yeah. was awesome. And it's not, like I only have like five six things on there total yeah. right now. Feels nice. It does. feels again really feels good. loose. Really I feel good. good. New season. Um. So one of the first albums that came out. Or one of the first big 2017 albums that technically came out on Christmas Day. It did. Is Run the Jewels 3. We're going to count it as a 2017 album. It's a 2017 album. Because it officially, physically releases on the 13th. That's right. And what we've come to realize is the music year is not like the fiscal year. That's right. the calendar year. That's right. It's a different breed. What we've decided to do, Jake, is as soon as our um, best album of the year episode ends and we finish our list that's when the new music year starts so we did this run the jewels is going to be a 2017 album um so quick thought on this when it yeah. came out on christmas i was actually disappointed unlike probably 99 percent <laughs> right. of people who like it really enjoy run the jewels i was disappointed because in my mind i was like you sons of bitches i just got through all these albums i had to talk about i just got through these end of year rankings yep. i just want to break from yep. listening to from like essential listening and then they drop it on christmas yeah, I just didn't listen for a while. I, I took I a, couple days, for a couple days, yeah. and you know, I sort of waited on it. Yeah. So, what what are your initial thoughts? What are you thinking on um, this album? So, I, you and the most of the internet like Run the Jewels better than I do. I'm not like the biggest fan. I'm not. I can't speak to them like a lot of other people can. I only have listened right. to their other stuff a small handful of times. I honestly can't say I was like that excited for this album to come out. Right. So when it came out on Christmas Day, I was like, oh great. Now I gotta force myself to listen to this. I, I at least thought I'd have a couple weeks where I could settle into the year and be like, okay, new run the jewels. I felt like I had to force it. Felt yep. like I had to force a couple listens. Overall, I it's good. It's fine. I generally like it. I don't dislike anything on it. It's just not my favorite thing. 
and it's not going to be something that I, I go and revisit a ton. Um, I want... I want this to be a safe space for people who feel the same way. I know we're a minority of people who might not love Run the Jewels. It's okay to not love Run the Jewels or think they're the coolest shit ever. The internet will make you think that everything they do is, like, the best. It's okay if you're not way, way into it. it like, I'm not. They're fine. I listened a few times. I'm not super compelled to go back and listen, but it's it's fine. I agree with you. It's okay if you're not way, way into Run the Jewels. I am way, way into Run the Jewels. And it's also okay if you're way, way into oh, that. absolutely. I'm all in. The rest of the internet's behind you on right. that one. So I'm going to I'm gonna make a little support group for Run the Jewels fans. <laughs> for the much, you're marginalized. For the, for the far greater majority of people who do right. like them. Um, so a couple thoughts that I want to uh, go through about this album. One, um, it took me... Probably five-ish listens to like it as much as I do now, which is a lot. And it took it, it took that many because it's longer than any Run the Jewels album has been before. Um, and it's kind of weird in terms of track listing. The biggest thing I've noticed about it, and I'll keep this as brief as possible because we have a lot to get to, is that the second half of the album, to me, is actually, I think, appreciably better than the first. I think the whole second half is really solid, and the last three tracks are three of my favorite songs Run the Jewels have done. Mm. Um, the Zach De La Rocha feature on... The end of Kill Your Masters and yep. uh, I think it's Letter to the Shareholders. Yeah. Um, the last track was is a really cool touch, especially the first few times you hear it, because he's not listed, I don't think, right. as a feature on the track. And he comes in and he closes the album out, um, sort of returning from Run the Jewels 2. Uh, the other thing is that the first half, while I like it, and I think it has some of the strongest like hits on the album... There's a couple places where it ebbs or flows. I should stop using ebb and flow, mm. but drops out a little bit because mm-hmm. I never know which one's which. Um, I th- call Ticketron. Yeah. Is live in the garden. Yeah. Run the jewels live at the garden. Yeah. It, like, yeah, that kind of reprise is a little much for me. The, I mean, their f- verses are good. Yeah. Both LP and Killer Mike don't have a bad verse on the album. I just don't love that chorus. And I also think Stay Gold is a little bit you know, the G-O-L-D, yeah, it's gold. Like, that. I could, I that. again, that chorus I could take or leave. Other than those two nitpicks, I've actually been really, really enjoying this, and since I first listened, it's actually grown on me a lot. So let me ask you before we wrap up, where does this rank for you for compared to past Run the Jewels releases? Do you like it more or less? I thought you were, I, I was laughing because I thought at first you were going to say, where does it rank for you for 2017 albums? <laughs> I was like, let's give that some time, dude, because right now it's one, because it's, it's that and Brian Eno for me. So I like, like Brian Eno more. <laughs> right, I like Brian Eno too. They're so different. I like Run the Jewels know, better can, than yeah. that. Than, I mean, that Brian Eno album is a 154-minute right. song. It's like a meditation right. thing, right? basically. Right. Um, yeah. And I really like it too. Um, so I think if I'm ranking it, I am less familiar with Run the Jewels 1. I've only listened to that a few times. I think that what will end up happening is Run the Jewels 2 is, for me, that is the, yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. It'll always be. I think it's their best album. Even for me, as someone who's only listened to each of these, like, twice, yeah. um, it's probably Run the Jewels 2 as yeah. well. Just, just feel. Run, I don't know that album very well at all, but... It has a lot... The, what I'm saying is Run the Jewels 3 has a lot to overcome, because I love Run the Jewels right, 2. Right. That's one of my favorite albums of the last few years. Yeah. Like, I don't know where, somewhere in top, I don't know, 20, 30, somewhere. Sure. Um, and then I think Run the Jewels 3 is second, then Run the Jewels okay. 1, just based that, on I what think, I know. I think it's been the sentiment online, here's, generally, too. Here's what I'll say. it do, They grow on you more if you're not a rap person and you're not used to their general style of rap, which is kind of, like, a little more aggressive yeah. and a little more, like, 
boastful. It took me a few listens, and so if you're still in that sort of, you know, sort of gray area of a couple listens, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth yeah. the investment. Yeah. Just a thought. Hey, no, just... I know, and I, I told myself that a lot, where it's like, you know what, if you just listen more, you'd probably like it. Yeah. Because their their interplay is really funny. I'm just never excited to listen. It always feels forced for me. Yeah, I don't blame it. Then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. I and we're and hey, this year we've talked about being all about enjoyment and That's listening right. to what we just feel and, Our heart. and trying to not force things like we did last year. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of a decision I made where it's like, you know what? I I want to listen to something else. So yeah. uh, I want to listen to Creedence Clearwater Revival instead. Uh, so speaking of RTJ3 and Creedence Clearwater Revival, the Coachella lineup yeah. was announced for 2017, Jake. That it was. So this is interesting, not because we go to Coachella or are close to Coachella. We're Newport folk guys. We're Newport folk. We're East Coast guys. We're That's Boston right. calling. We're Newport folk. Coachella, we're biggie to their Tupac. Yeah, exactly. Coachella <laughs> is the California giant festival. It's kind of the the festival's festival. That's right. It's, it, um, it's interesting because it's a barometer of who's who in music for the year. Yeah. So usually what this does is you get the big headliners, you get three of them for each of the different days, and then you get the different sized fonts on the poster yeah. as people get less and less popular. So the three headliners this year are Radiohead, Beyonce, and Kendrick Lamar, which are three awesome, awesome headliners. You really can't do much better than that in 2017 for a headliner at a festival. Um, Let me ask you this, because yeah. maybe I'm unfamiliar, and since I am, maybe there's other people out there who will also be unfamiliar. So forgive me if this is a super obvious question. It says here, Friday, April 14th and 21st, Saturday, April 15th and 22nd. Does this happen two weeks in a yes. row? Okay. Yes, it does. That's yeah, a good clarifying question. Yeah, yeah. I was confused about that, too. Uh, That's like interesting. A few years ago, I was like, wait. This happens multiple weekends. It does. It's it's multiple weekends. And it's the same. Same people. Same set. That's right. Both times. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know how I didn't know that's that somehow. That's how big Coachella is. That's really it's interesting. Crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, based on this year's headliners, Radiohead, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, I think they, they nailed it. Oh, now, yeah. It seems you have a bit of a bone to pick with other elements. Yeah, so I I don't love the rest of the lineup that they have. I, I counted through for all three of the days. There was about, like, ten artists I was legitimately excited for and right. a handful of other ones where I'd be like, meh, yeah, sure, I'd see them. But it didn't seem like they killed it with yeah. the rest compared to the headliners. And I, I was reading something interesting that was like they probably blew their budget on the three headliners and had to fill in with some of the other ones. I was reading a criticism, but like, you know, people like the Head and the Heart and the Preservation Hall Jazz Society, those are festival lifers at this point kind of right. who, play, who play smaller festivals wasn't Preservation Hall Jazz they were at Newport, at Newport which last is a, year. Uh, notoriously like kind of a lower budget festival right so I think if you look at this lineup that they have especially as the fonts get smaller there's definite they're trying to patch some holes with like maybe some lower budget acts compared to years past right and if we're comparing so let's look at 2016 where their headliners were LCD Sound System Guns N' Roses and Calvin Harris I think it actually depends who you ask which of those is bigger. So we got Radiohead, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar. 
I can see why Calvin Harris would be a huge like yeah, EDM yeah, yeah. draw. Yep. And LCD Sound System, they were fresh off their like ninth <laughs> comeback. <laughs> and Guns N' Roses was on another comeback. That, uh, yeah. But it's really hard to come at the three-headed monster that is Kendrick, Beyonce, and Radiohead. You almost can't get bigger in any of those respective no, categories than with either of them. So, so I think, here's what I'd say. It seems like, if you're looking at the top layers of this, you got Radiohead, Father John Misty, Bonnie Vare, Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Lord. Future Islands would have had more sort of draw last year even, or the year before. This one feels more top-heavy than, big, big than last time, year's. Big time. Yeah, yeah. But your point is that it's not as consistent throughout the lineup. And yeah, and my, my, my qualm with this as well is that if you look at the year that indie rock or emo just had, with all the great releases from bands like Pup and Modern Baseball and Joyce Manor, don't you think those would have been great late afternoon sets to throw in there to be like, hey, you know what? Pup will probably go rip it up. Yeah. Let's put them out there. Let's see how they do. A bunch of kids love Joyce Manor. You don't yeah. think that they'd enjoy seeing Joyce Manor out there? Like they give those bands a little shine. Yeah, and that's my issue with this. On a bigger stage. There's a definite lack of indie rock representation here that I think they could have done a better job with. It's not like you know, any of those bands are going to blow your budget. Do you have a sense for what the setup is at Coachella? I know at Newport I, there's I, like four I stages. I don't know. There are multiple different stages. Uh, probably more than Newport, given how many oh, artists yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely more than Newport. I wonder how it is to traverse through Coachella. I imagine it has to be a pretty big grounds. I think it is, and from what I understand as well, is that there will be certain stages that are next to each other, that are playing at the same time, and... Sometimes the big EDM acts will drown out some of the other ones. Or the War on Drugs will drown out uh, Mark Kozilek. That's right. Was that Coachella? I don't know which one that was. But that, something like that does happen a lot. Right. And I guess a lot of people don't show up till the nighttime anyways. So The nighttime is the right time. Sometimes some of these smaller acts will not have that many people at their, their stage. So it like isn't the best atmosphere sometimes until you get to the later ones. So uh, I, I don't know. I think there were some opportunities missed in terms of the lineup. Uh, would you What's, be interested in going? Uh, it depends on, on this lineup. It's a price tag thing, and I'm already we're yeah, going to Newport exactly. this year, and like, I feel like that I'm going to get my fest- festival yeah. fixed there. What I want to know is... What's your like little hidden gem that you found in here? Mine is Whitney on the fifth line down uh, on the Sunday um, group. Yeah. That's Whitney a, is in that's like a, size 10 font. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, mine was probably car seat headrest. It's, all, it's like fourth down. I was surprised at how small it is. I think Guided by Voices, I'm surprised by how small that is too. Apparently, don't they put on like amazing live shows? I, I'm... I, I don't totally know. Guided by Voices is one of those bands where, like, if you are a total music nerd, it makes yeah. sense. Like, you see them, and you're like, oh, Guided by Voices is a giant. But if you're not, that it's, name might not yeah. mean anything to who's, you. Who's the biggest surprise to be a big font person? A big font? Yeah. Um, I mean, I might just be exposing ignorance, but I don't know who Porter Robinson is. I don't know who that is either. I- I was gonna say uh, Empire of the Sun. Like, are they really a second second tier headliner like that? It's a good they question. They have that car commercial song, but like, what? They have a lot of festival draw. It seems yeah. they're always like I don't. They're a band I've never listened to except maybe a song, and I couldn't even tell you what it is. And I know they're popular as hell, and I know that they're like yeah. made for these festivals. But I couldn't yeah, even tell you point, what a song is called yeah. by them. Who's Who's Martin Garrix? 
I don't know. Is he like a uh, EDM like DJ guy? That I'm not sure. See, that's my problem with a lot of this too. Is they they throw a lot of that EDM DJ stuff in. I'm not super into that. Well, you got to be on like ecstasy. I know. I or know. Molly, if yeah. you're gonna go have a good time yeah. on one of those. You know who I kind of like? Group Love. They're on there. Yeah, that'd be a good festival. That'd be they'd be a good festival because they're like kind of one of those bands like Edward Sharp where it looks like a family. There's like six yeah, of them that, and they're that plays, all kind of hippie. That plays at festivals. Yeah, and yeah. they have these really feel good songs. Big, big songs. Yeah, it's not plays. particularly interesting, yeah. but they have some songs I like. Yeah, itching on a photograph. Um, yeah. So Coachella, you know, I we'll see what the the reception is for it when it actually happens. Um, Heinz is on there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sort of just one more afterthought. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Mitski was pretty low, too. Actually. It was. And she tweeted, she's like, I'm on the Beyonce day. Yeah. I saw. Nice. Which must be nice. cool to say. Like, if you're if you're an artist and you get to be like, hey, I'm playing Coachella same day as Beyonce, right. even though, you like, that's fudging it a little bit. That makes it sound better than it is, but that's <laughs> still really like, cool. You're basically just, like, a, a fan at that point. Like, right. You're, you're like someone who bought a ticket for that day. Because she could be on, like, the stage that's, like, near the entrance uh, yeah. next to the fucking T-shirt yeah. stand yeah. and, like, corn dog. Her backup there. dancers have more cachet at Coachella than you do. They're probably richer. It's probably, probably aren't. They probably make, wet. they probably, dude, that's not even a problem. They definitely make more money than Mitski yeah, does. Yeah, that's, that's true. Should, it, should the shoe be on the other foot there? I don't know. So the cool thing about Coachella lineup announcements are that this is a, usually a pretty good indicator of who's coming out with a new album this year. That that's hasn't a good point. been announced yet because if you're playing the festival circuit, especially big ones like this, you usually have new music. So people like Father John, or have just come out with new music. Uh, so, like, Father John Misty, we know, is coming out with an album. Um, you know, the XX is about to come out with one. What I found really interesting was someone like Future Islands. This is yeah. pretty good. Because it's been a couple years, few years since their last record, 2014, was For when singles. singles came out. They had a probably, couple, and they had a couple actual singles drop, Yeah, what, but was not, it two nothing, years ago? Nothing, like, crazy. So, yeah. you know, you can probably bet that someone like Future Islands is going to come out with a new album. So, that is a good transition into our 2017 preview jake that's right uh, new albums yeah so we we'd mentioned it's cool to start with a fresh slate it's exciting it is because everything's on the table right now yeah and you look at the anticipated albums list on like metacritic or on any source where you can find that and you have you realize that like probably only 70 percent of them are getting made but at this point it feels right. like it's all you're gonna on the get table. them all you're gonna you get might them get all of them yep. Uh, interesting year in music, it looks like, and we're yeah. going to talk about this more. Yeah. So, a lot of a lot of big indie stalwarts back in action this year. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the early 2010s, late 2000s kind of tentpole indie acts are coming back. Yeah. Um, so that would be cool to see. Before we get into the specific albums themselves, this year in general, so how do you think this is going to compare to 2017? What can we kind of expect? Because compared to twenty sixteen, compared to yeah, sorry, compared to twenty sixteen, because you had a huge political thing happen with the election of Donald Trump. Are we going to see twenty seventeen be a response to that politically, or is it still going to take another year to catch up and have people start writing that stuff this year to come out twenty eighteen? Like, are we going to get our nineteen seventy nine? Are we going to get our nineteen? 68, 69 kind of response here. Our Bush era Bruce Springsteen albums. Yeah. Um, what are we going to get? That's a good question. It's interesting because you have a good point about will it take a couple years? Because, for example, Bruce Springsteen was on Mark Maron's podcast 
um, I listened to that, and in the interview, he asked him basically that question. He's like, are you going to – you writing some stuff about sort of what's going on in politics? And Springsteen was like, no, I don't force that stuff. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to just write it just to do it, yeah. to be about Trump. So I could see where it would take a little more time. I could see 2018 being a I big could, year for that. Yeah. That being said, there has maybe never in our lifetime or in our generation been a more controversial election, especially amongst liberals, mm, which makes up artists. most of the music industry and the arts industries. Yeah. Um, so I could see the steamroller of political music from 2016 just rolling on through 2017, especially if yeah. Trump has a rocky first few months, yeah, which he's yeah. destined to have. Absolutely. It's already been rocky. He hasn't even been inaugurated yet. He has, like, neo-Nazis in his yeah. cabinet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be rocky. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a little bumpy. So, what I could see happening is some albums and songs that started to be written during the whole election process, maybe coming out yeah. back half of 2017. I think you might see quarter three might have a strong Q3 for releases that are more political. I think this first half of the year, if any narrative comes out about it, I think it's going to be a little bit forced. Where people are going to be like, oh, Trump's America, this is what Japan Droid sounds like now. It's like, well, no, it, that was written way before. It's like, don't. Right. You're going to see some forced narratives of that from music. By the music press. From, from music press and music Twitter yeah. in the next three, four months. Definitely. But it will be interesting to see which artists come out with politically charged albums and how soon. Yeah. Like, which ones where it's not just the narrative. Right. Like, it is clearly. Because the thing is, is like for some artists who are the torchbearers for that kind of stuff, Father John Misty, right, or like Kendrick, yeah, or like Solange with a seat at the table, right. like a seat at the table has already come out. Right. So Pimp a Butterfly already came <laughs> out. Well, Those albums are, are right. huge. Like uh, they're going to be ones we look back on as major political yeah. statements of our era. Like, do they have another one of those in them? Is a good question. Because I mean, I feel like tumultuous politics was already building. In the end of Obama's administration. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's a good point, yeah. Um, the other thing that's interesting is it's – will pop music, like big, big pop music, like the Beyonce's of the world and the Rihanna's of the world, yeah. will stuff like that dominate again in 2017 or do you think we're going to get a step back? Because it seems like big, big pop kind of shot its load early last year where it all came out all at once with the exception of like Taylor Swift. Right, well, and Taylor Swift is maybe a big, a big enough one to carry the day for yeah. pop. And then looking at the list, I mean, like, you know, Lord is another huge one. Yeah, Lord's, Lord's. So those are two man. really big ones. Those could be like radio staples if yeah. Lord and Taylor Swift both come through with albums that are huge hit machines, like they both did last time they did that. Um, it could work out. The sort of downside is like Lord seems like someone who's more interested. Artistically, yes. so she could come out with yeah. something that's less hits. I think she could have heavy. a polarizing release here. And I think, given all of the, as you call them, festival and tentpole acts that have are coming out with albums this year, could be a little bit of a return to that stuff at, in prominence. Although, if it goes the other way and, and critics decide you're not relevant anymore, yeah, yeah. that's the other side I of the know. coin. And then that's also we got to consider like what pop acts are going to emerge this year. People yeah. we're not even thinking about. I know, that's true. I mean, I, I'm saying, like, last year we had Beyonce, Drake, Rihanna. We had all Kanye. We had these huge, huge things come out. Yeah. This year it seems like if you're just forecasting, it's like, oh, maybe it's a little bit lighter on pop. It's very heavy on indie rock, like you said. Yeah. Do you think we get a lot of pieces and enforced narratives of, oh, rock is back because we got uh, a new Arcade Fire record? 
It's and a new tw- national record. 20 years since OK Computer. Maybe yeah. they tie that in somehow. Oh, oh you the know last, they will. The last yeah. great rock album to come out. Right. Not even true at yeah, all. No. Um, I don't know. It's hard to predict music writers. It's funny because sometimes you get the sense that music writers like... They, it does feel like now people are, they just do force those narratives. Right. I, I, it's hard to even imagine. I mean, like, what do you think? I don't know. It's hard to imagine what will be the narrative before it comes. It's hard to say, it's, it, but it almost always is forced. It is going to be forced. And it's such a echo chamber of music Twitter and in, in music writers that just spew all this. Most people don't actually care. No, most people don't. think about this. I do think we'll have a bit of a return to form in terms of best of the year lists at the Agreed. end. Because this year we Agreed. had an inordinate amount of consistency mm-hmm. at the top of lists, mm-hmm. um, like with Beyonce, David Bowie. Solange, Frank Ocean, Radiohead, those albums. Like this year, I feel like with all those out of the way, barring anything taking their place and like coming in as the obvious top fives, I could see the list being a lot more varied. So in that way, I think it might be a different type of year in terms of narrative. Uh, Before we get into the actual albums themselves that are coming out, gut feeling, will 2017 be a better year in music than 2016 or will it be a worse year? Worse. Worse. Is my gut feeling. But I'm a bit of a pragmatist slash pessimist. I'm not really a pessimist, but I think I hedge a little bit with stuff like that. And we had... 2016 was a great year in music. It was a great year in music. I think it's going to be a tiny bit worse... Um, I still think it's going to be really good, though. It will, and we're going to get into this in a second. It will be carried by how good the big albums I, I are. Know. If we get agreed. four great albums by bands in the echelon of the National and Vampire Weekend, yep. if we get like four great albums, I think it has a real shot to be better. Agreed. Agreed. But we'll see. Those got to hit, though. Those got to hit. Right. And, and we'll get into this a little bit. Is you know what? I'll say. I'll save that point. I'll save that point. Okay. Let's get into the albums that are actually coming out. So what we did to structure this, because there's a lot. There's a lot of albums that are coming out in 2017 we're excited about. We kind of structured these into groups. And what we're going to do is is discuss these categories. And the first one that we have is early year shit to get excited about. So January kicks off pretty strong, which I think bodes well. Because I think 2016, one detriment, it took a little while to get going. You had Bowie. Other than that... You know, there Think, wasn't there wasn't a ton. Right, you had Heinz. <laughs> 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 Who's playing Coachella? That's right. It all comes first full circle. But I mean, if you look at some of the just off the XX are coming out, you know, Run the Jewels technically was supposed to be January. Mm-hmm. Japan droids. We could lump them in. We'll way. say they're January. Yeah, we'll throw them in. Cloud Nothings even for kind of that, that indie rock crew. You get Julie Byrne, who I think is is getting some buzz of, I guarantee you that's going to be one of the first kind of out-of-nowhere critical darlings of the year. Yep. Um, so keep your eye on that one. But we have a lot of different albums that you could say have a lot of hype around them in January. We're hitting the ground running here. We are. And so off the bat, looking at this with XX, Japan Droids, Run the Jewels, Cloud Nothings, Julie Byrne. So that's a strong January. Uh, which albums, Sean? Are you the most excited for? And then I'll give you mine. Yeah, so there's a difference between what I think is going to be the best one and okay. what, I, what I'm most excited for. Well, you can give that for. distinction if you want. I'm technic- I'm most excited for Japan Droids. Yep. I, I love Japan Droids. Um, you know what? In this case, I think that one's going to be the best out of these two. I think I'm going to like that one the most. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm most excited for and think Japan Droids will be the best. I 
am most excited for Cloud Nothings and think that will be best. So that's a little that's a little bet. Ooh, How about yeah. that? We're making it interesting. Ooh, I've right. got a game of chance. <laughs> Qui Gon Jinn's here, <laughs> playing a game of chance and then influencing it. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, um, and so, which one do you think has the biggest letdown potential? X X so, easily. I agree that it's XX. I'm not going to say well, Julie Byrne. Know, here's the thing, though. I don't think that XX album is going to be that good to begin with, though. Well, the biggest letdown is probably actually Japan Droids because the okay the expectations so, are so high. Right. Okay. So biggest letdown potential, I guess, would be Japan Droids. Yeah. The one you're going to like the least, though, is is XX. I think it's XX for me. I've never been high on them. No. Um, yeah. I like that Jamie XX album last year oh, better yeah. than anything they've ever put out. Me too. Me too. Or two years ago, did that come out? Jamie XX. Is two that 14? It's crazy. It gets weird when you no, get... No, it was 15, 15. Was it 15? 15. Okay. Yeah. Julie Byrne, I don't know anything about Julie it. Julie Byrne, so this is someone I've been listening to. Um, I, I somehow... I found this track, the Natural Blue, which is going to be... It was like the lead single from her new album. I decided to listen to it. It was awesome. Um, it's like this haunting, beautiful folk music. It's sparse. It's it's like sad. It's right up my alley. Sounds up my alley too. Um, I would really recommend you check out at least that song "Natural Blue." I went back and and listened to her first album that came out in twenty fourteen. It's also really good. It's in the same vein. I think this one is gonna be early best new music, or at least early very high rating. It's gonna get some critical love. Yeah. Uh, watch out for Julie Byrne. Okay, so listeners, get ready for this because our next grouping are the Festival and Tentpole Indie Acts that are coming out with albums this year. And this is a murderer's row. Yeah. So you want me to just rifle through yeah. them? I'll just go through them quick. Fleet Foxes, Vampire Weekend, Father John Misty, Arcade Fire, LCD Sound System, St. Vincent, Wolf Parade, Grizzly Bear, Dirty Projectors, The Shins, Spoon, Phoenix, The War on Drugs, The Killers, The National. I'm laughing because I had Dirty Projectors in there twice by accident. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's a lot. Um, and that's why we're talking about the potential. This is crazy. It the is. amount of albums and artists who have just fallen on 2017, either it is. from taking a few years off or coming back together as a band or just taking a while to write an album. This is just an embarrassment of indie rock riches. If you're the average, like, like rock fan, yeah. this is music to your ears, literally. It, because it you're getting, like, all of the biggest names you could possibly get in indie rock. If this, and we talked about this before, if this isn't the year where rock comes back into the fold as, like, yes, this is very relevant, this is driving discussion, yep. and it's relevant again, there's a problem. Well, and again, so much of that depends on how it's portrayed by the music press and media. It depends if they decide it's relevant or not. It, yeah. that's going to shape the story. And what I was going to say earlier before when I said I was going to save this point was you have a band like Fleet Foxes, Vampire Weekend, Arcade Fire, LCD Sound System. These are bands, the national, who have never had a miss or, or haven't had a miss since like their first ever record. Or like a substantial miss. They've, they've had years and years of hot streaks now, critically, commercially, everything. It feels like you, we have to have a miss from at least one of these at this point, right? Like they can't just keep topping themselves like they like they have been, or coming close to or being equal. Like Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City was, in my opinion, their best album. Yeah, can they top that again? 
I mean, like, it's hard to say because it did feel like with Contra and with Vampire Weekend, the first two albums, those felt relatively consistent. I liked them around equal. And then Modern Vampires, I think, was a big step up. It, But the thing is, is like with Ro- well, Rossum's not going to be in the fold either. I think he's still going to kind of be involved, but it's, it's not right. the same. It's not he's the same. not an official band member, probably. Yeah, It's hard to say. What do you expect? I'm curious about what you expect from a national album. So again, After I, Trouble Will Find Me in 2013, There's right? been a lot of talk about they don't want to just make another national record. They want to do some different stuff. Which, yeah, I think if they want to keep growing, I guess, or keep getting the critical acclaim that they've been getting, I think they do need to do that. I could totally see them coming out with a similar sounding album as they did to all of their other ones and the main, you know, the mainstream music press being like, oh, it's more of the same national. It's still going to get a good, but I can start to see them maybe receding a little bit in terms of critical love. I'm still going to love it, even if it's national by the numbers. I, I I think it's still going to be good. I think these guys are like can't miss. I think they're pretty consistent. I don't know if it's going to be the highs of Trouble Will Find Me or High Violet, but I or even you know Alligator. High Violet to me is tops. It's but the thing is, too, and the reason but... why I have some hope for the National is that um, by the time I'd gotten really into them, I knew High Violet was my favorite album by them. And when Trouble Will Find Me came out. I remember I was like kind of hesitant. I was like, I don't know if they're going to reach it. And it maybe didn't, but I still really love Trouble yeah. Finding. There's great, great songs on that. Yeah. The whole It's really consistent. It's, it's very, very good. You know who else I think might have a career album is Father John. I agree. Yeah, I, I think that one's going to be great. Um, you know, speaking of Father John, you can't talk about him without talking about Fleet Foxes, too. They're coming back after a long time. That's right. Um, so, again, you could go either way on that. You could have the narrative be... This is going to be a return to form after all these years. Robin Pecknold and Fleet Foxes still have it. Or it could be the music world's passed you by. You know, this isn't as exciting as it was in 2007. I'd say that of this list, um, and I might be missing something, but I, I, no, I feel safe saying that of this list, Fleet Foxes is the biggest question mark. It's yeah. the one where it's the most, like, really, truly don't know what you're going to get. I mean, you probably know what you're going to get in terms of sound, but... Robin Pecknell went off to school. He changed a little bit. Who knows what he's experimenting yeah. with, what he's into now. You know. Yeah. Um, then the other one, I want to bring up, there's like a, a smaller core in here of like, yeah, tentpole indie, but I feel like the game might have passed them by a little bit. And I'm talking about Spoon, The Shins, Phoenix, and, you know, maybe Wolf Parade, maybe LCD Sound System. I think not to say that those artists aren't going to put out great music this year, but they're the ones where, especially the shins. I listened to a couple of those new singles today. Okay, I, I was going to... Those aren't good. I was going to ask you about that. Those aren't good. Are both of those... Uh, yeah, those are both going to be on the album. Okay, I didn't love those. Those aren't good. I didn't love them. The, I always liked James Mercer's voice. I think he has a good pop sensibility. Um... Yeah, I get the same sense, and I feel like that is... I'm feeling good about that. LCD Sound System, though, this is, uh, you know, another big comeback. <laughs> Yet another. This is how we started last year. It's how we'll start this year. That's a great point. Yeah. I'm going to give a little shine to Dirty Projectors really quick, and yeah. I know that you won't love it because you don't like them. But no, I and I listened to the single today, like, in your, like, bubble or something. Yeah. I didn't really like it either. Dude, I think Little Bubble... Yeah. Is an awesome song. It was okay. I think it's really, really cool. I love what they're doing with it. They're experimenting with their sound a little bit. They go from that like quirky guitar rock straight ahead kind of, well, it's not straight ahead. They were like, it's like quirky sort of technical guitar music to these new songs are a little bit more 
experimental. R&B-ish. A little bit, yeah, have a little bit more of a vibe. Um, I say check it out. I like Dirty Projectors, and based on what I've heard from the two new songs, um, uh, Keep Your Name and Little Bubble, I'm excited for what they're going to be coming out with. So let me ask you the same question we did for the last one. Which is the one you're most excited for or think is going to be the best? Um, that's really hard. Father John Misty. Is I think is going to be the best. I think it's going to be the best. Most excited is Fleet Foxes. Yeah. So I, there's a distinction there. I think Father John Misty is going to be the best too. Um, honestly, I think I'm most excited for that one as well. Yeah, that makes Which sense. Which is crazy because the National are one of my favorite bands of all time, if not like just the de facto answer I've given yeah. for favorite band. Okay. Arcade Fire's up there too. Right. You know, so the fact that I'm most excited for and think that one's going to be the best says a lot about Father John Misty. It says a lot about the impact that he had on me as a music listener in the past year and a half. Last year especially. Yeah. So let me ask you the inverse questions. Biggest letdown potential and the one you think you're actually going to like the least. Uh, so I'm going to throw out some of these like – I'm going to throw out Dirty Projectors. Okay. I, like – and one that from an artist who I generally like but don't think is going to be that good is The Shins. I really don't think that's going to – I think that's going to be very forgettable. Yeah, I think The Shins is a really, really good pick. Just to keep it interesting, I'm going to say Arcade Fire. Um, yeah. I could see them having a bit of a letdown. The one I'm going to like the least, um, I could see being The Shins. Yeah. I'll keep that. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's The Shins for the okay. one I'm going to end up liking okay. least. That's a hell of a category right that's, there. That, I actually, that's going to be basically content, content, content for the rest of the year. Yeah, right that's there. a boon for us. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be our that's, bell cow. That's <laughs> that's like tourist season in Nantucket right there. That's like that's like June through August of uh, in any vacation town. It is. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do the next one. So our next category here is that pop category we alluded to, um, and what I, I've deemed this one is. The Taylor Swift Instagram crew. Mm -hmm. Because in this one, you have Taylor Swift, Lord, Haim, Drake, and uh, Sky Ferreira, who we threw in. So I, I, I say that because Taylor Swift is really good friends with Lord and the Haim sisters. Yeah. They're always hanging out, taking pics of each other. So Drake and Sky don't really fit in. Drake, with though, was attached to Taylor for a little bit there. There was like, ooh, are they dating? Like, what's going on with that? That would be an interesting That was a. a for a hot second there, that was a thing. Yep. Um, so this is kind of our fodder. pop category here, to varying degrees of pop. On one hand, you have like the huge, huge ones with Taylor, Lord, and Drake. You have more of like the indie pop, but still will have a little crossover with Hive and Sky Ferreira. What do you make of this? So I'm going to go out there and say, and I, I'm not trying to come onto your corner, because this yeah. has been, long been your corner, so I'm not trying to steal your shine. Sean's been here longer than I have. I'm really, really excited for new Taylor Swift. I really okay. like Taylor Swift. And okay. I, you know what? And pe some people hate on her. They do. Hey, She's one hell of a pop yeah. songwriter. I'm is. excited for that, and she I'm is. excited for Lord. I like Lord a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm. So let me just clarify. This Drake thing isn't really an album. It's more right. like a playlist, he said. It's called More Life. It was actually supposed to come out in December, but it got pushed. Maybe it's an untitled, unmastered situation. Maybe it is. It's like a playlist. I don't know. Maybe he, he was revolutionizing the... The music game. The but, playlist game. So that one, I mean, yeah, I'll listen. It's not going to be anything crazy. Sky Ferreira, she's been teasing this album for a while. Um, yeah, I, I would say I'm probably most excited for Taylor Swift, too. Just She's such a cultural li lightning rod. 
Yeah, so many takes come from from Taylor Swift. So she's my most excited, and I'm going to say the one I think is going to be best is Lord. I'm hoping Lord. This is a hopeful pick. This is like I, I'm 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 giving her a little push she needs. Yeah. So, but I think she's going to put out like a big leap, and she's going to do something artistically really interesting with this album. Okay, that's yeah. my hope. Um, that's knowing nothing about it. I'm I'm going to say the one that I'm actually just going to enjoy the most, and ends up maybe getting. The most plays in behind. I really, really liked their debut album. It's good. From what I hear about what they're trying to do on this one, I think it sounds really interesting. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go with Hein. Let's eliminate Drake from the the downside ones because I feel like it doesn't fit in. No, it doesn't really. So of the big four, Sky Ferreira, Heim, Lord, Taylor Swift, which one do you think you're gonna like the least? Which one do you think is gonna be the biggest letdown? Uh, like the least, least excited letdown. Uh, I'm actually gonna say Lord on that. I'm lower okay. on Lord than you are. But, um, yeah, I think that's my pick. For both. Yeah. Okay, I think I... I think Sky Ferreira has some letdown potential. Yeah, I can see that, too. She has some letdown potential, because I feel like she's not... She doesn't have her eyes on the prize as much. Yeah. She's dating Zachary Cole Smith, Uh, who is, you know, probably, like, leading a group of people on a drug adventure right now. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to say... Allegedly. Yeah, right, allegedly. Got to throw allegedly in there. That's my biggest letdown potential. It's really hard to say the one I'm going to like the least. I, I guess I'll say Taylor Swift, even though I'm super excited yeah. for it, because I can really see liking... No, it's Sky. It's Sky. It's Sky. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's the one that I'm going to probably sense. like the least. Okay. Um, so our next category, we're calling the Are We Sure They're Going to Be Good albums yeah. uh, that are coming out this, this year. This is interesting, because some of these have overlap with some of the other genres. They do. Um, and so we got Charlie XCX, Chromatics, Real Estate, Sun Kill Moon. And so I think for both of us, there's probably ones that will come in later lists or that came from earlier. Like for you, Dirty Projectors probably would be in here. Yeah. Because like you're not going to sure, like that very yeah, much. Yeah. For me, there are probably some from later, like from other categories that would fit in here. But given these four, yeah, there's some potential and, and, for excitement here's, here. Here's the reasons why I, I we categorize them in the are we sure they're going to be good yeah. category. Charlie XCX, I thought, put out a garbage EP last year. It wasn't the Vroom Vroom EP. Uh, yeah. I love all of Charlie XCX's other stuff. Yeah. But now I was like, are we sure this next one's going to be good? I've never been all that. Sure? Yeah, I've never been all that high on and, Charlie XCX. And that's XCX. another reason, too. It's like, you, you've never been that high. So it's like, are we sure? Well, and with, be good? with both Sun Kill Moon and Real Estate, everyone loved the last Real Estate record. For some reason, it just did not do it for me that much. I, I didn't think it was that interesting. Like it. I don't dislike it. I just, I, <laughs> this is, yeah, I know. I like, I like it. It's not as good as, uh, as days, days, in my opinion. Also, real estate sound, I'm finally willing to admit this too. It's the same shit. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. It, when you're in the mood for it, it's great. Yeah. But if you're not in the mood, it's like, yeah, it might not be the most interesting thing. So, you know, if we're getting the, the fourth real estate album here, that's like, the same retread of the same ideas. Are we sure it's going to be, like, awesome? Well, with Sun Kill Moon, we had the highs of Benji in 2014, right. and then the relative lows of Universal Themes, yeah. which I really didn't revisit that much I last year. It was like two or three times. It was, like, kind of not that enjoyable. No. It's and like, I feel like that's what you get. You take the good with the bad with Mark Kozilek. That's, that's the thing. You take, you take the prickly with the, yeah, the so sweet. Are we sure? It's going to be good, Jake. Are we sure? I can can we uh, can we be certain? <laughs> and then the last one we have here is Chromatics Dear Tommy. 
this has been teased since like 2014. Tommy, can you hear me? That we said we were going to get Dear Tommy. The track list is out. Like half the songs have already been released as like singles or, or previews. This leads me to like, also, I didn't think Kill for Love was that good. To, I don't think it deserved the praise that it got to begin right. with. So it's like, are we sure? Chromatics are gonna be that great. Are we sure, Jake? We, are we sure? We can't be positive here. And I'll I'll actually just own up to ignorance on Chromatics. I haven't done much listening. Okay. I like the song "Kill for Love," but I didn't listen sure. to that album much okay. or at all. Um, I mean, so you know what? There's yeah, a lot I'm not of sure. Ambient kind of electronic stuff on there. I bet if I went back and, and revisited with a with a more of an appreciation for that stuff, I yeah. might like that album better. I could see that. I gotta revisit it. But are we Are we sure? <laughs> Can we can, can we write it in pen? I don't know. I don't know. Put that put that down in pencil so we can erase. We're gonna pencil that in on our Google Doc yeah. here, uh, Sean. Since these are all ones that we're not so sure would be good, we pretty much we pretty well know they're all gonna be maybe letdowns. So, which one are you most excited for if you had to pick? Real estate, maybe because I think that one. I think that one has the most chance to just be like, yeah, I like this. It's yeah. good. I think that's the safest pick in terms of it's going to be enjoyable. Yeah, I I guess I'll pick Sunkill Moon because he has had an inconsistent discography from what yeah. I can tell through his career. But if he has any trace of the and muse Benji, that was in him with Benji. It's just you want, you yeah. want Benji. If thing, any yeah. bit of that muse is still left in him, yeah. any kernel of it, yeah. then maybe we get something even a fraction as good. So I'll say that's most excited. I'd say real estate's the close second yeah. there. Yeah. Um, are you on the next group here? Yeah. So this one is, we don't know that these are actually going to be coming out this year. We're calling this one the Whispers and Rumors crew. We this heard these from our little birds. Little birds. I was, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> This is our little birds who are out there. Uh, Lord Ferris yeah, has, has right. informed us of this. We both became eunuchs before the episode. <laughs> to have like children, like street urchin children working for out us. there, like yes, who might like stab our enemies, stealing secrets and like shiving people yeah. with with like homemade knives. These are Game of Thrones references. Yeah, for by the way, that might know. be a little bit um, sort of spoilerish. Uh, Obscure, maybe? Yeah. Uh, anyways, these are our Whispers and Rumors crew. Uh, our little birds So this us. one dates back to last year. We heard rumors about a Drake and Kanye joint album. This screams to me something that may just, just never happen. never, ever happen. Like, because they're just going to, like... Because Kanye is legitimately crazy. We were talking about it before the show. Yeah, true mental illness. Like, in a sad way. Yeah. It's really... It's too bad. That's all I have to say. That's not even a joke. <laughs> Speaking of Kanye... He is also, I think this is the one that has the most chance of coming out and has a very good chance, is this the Cruel Winter G-O-O-D music collaboration. So yeah. that's Kanye's label. as like Travis Scott and uh, like Pusha T and all those guys on it. Um, they're doing another collab album like they had with uh, Good Summer. Um, and then you have a potential Life of Pablo follow-up, which was also teased by Kanye. TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're getting that. That's See, not that's not happening. Here's what tells me. This is why these are little birds rumors. Right. This is what you know, we can't we're gonna have to you know, maybe give those little birds a, a smack on the wrist for because they're getting their give stories a, a bad intel. We're getting cross signals here from them because the one way you know this sure as shit is not happening is there's three Kanye albums we on get here. Maybe one. We get maybe one if he doesn't like go completely insane. Yeah. 
What are the other two? The other two on here that we have that are not really solidified, depending on who you ask, you'll get different different intel here. Is MGMT, we might be getting something. Lana Del Rey, we might be getting something too. So if you could pick one to come out this year, what would be the one you're you're most excited about, the, the one you would want to have? Uh, I'm going to go with, you know, if you asked me before Life of Pablo, I would have said, give me a Kanye solo album any day. Right now, I'm kind of most excited for a Drake-Kanye That's joint album. That's exactly my answer, too. I I can't really do another Kanye West I'm not ready hype for it. machine Twitter takes of... Pitchfork 9 Plus. Of, of new Kanye solo. I, I, I don't want to do it again. I want a more subdued, relaxed, less pressure Drake and Kanye joint album. Yep. This feels I'll like watch the a Watch the Throne yep. to a beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy comparison. Situation. Yeah. And... If it is going in that trajectory, it'll be a little worse than Watch the Throne. Yeah, like will, Life of Pablo be. is yeah. worse than Twisted yeah. Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let me ask you this: How do you? How would you rank Twisted Fantasy, Life of Pablo, Watch the Throne? If you had to rank those three, oh my god! Um, Twisted Fantasy, Watch the Throne, Life of Pablo. I think maybe. Uh, maybe Life I th- of Pablo. I think I, I think I still give it to Pablo. I, I give it to Pablo. Yeah. There's some not great songs on Watch the Throne. There really are. There's, I think there's better individual songs on there. So here's the real question is like, uh, maybe it's not the real question. I was going to say, which one would you rather listen to? I, I guess it's Pablo. Yeah, I think it's Pablo. I think it's still Pablo. Yeah, yeah I, I'll change my answer immediately. Which one, Sean, of this list are you? do you think is going to be the worst? MGMT. If it, should it come out? MGMT, hands down. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Lana. I know you were. I knew you were going to. I'm higher on Lana than you are. Did uh, you listen to Honeymoon? Yeah, I did. Okay. I okay. thought it was okay. Okay. I thought it was pretty good. There's okay. some good stuff on it. But, you know, and I'm not saying MGMT's album's going to be great. Right. But, you know, I think it could be a bigger jump from whatever that last album, their self-titled yeah, was. Yeah, I didn't even listen to that. I listened twice, and it was okay. So in in so in reality, it was actually it was bad. If no, you're I, it's okay. I thought it was bad. okay. There were a couple songs I liked. Okay. Um, Lana Del Rey, an album from her, it just does not get me going that much. Uh, yeah. I'm not super I'm, I'm more into Lana Del Rey. I like her whole vibe and shtick. See, I, yeah, you probably do like her more than me. I think I like her vibe and shtick too. I do. I just, I guess it's albums for me. I'm just not super interested. Do you like, uh, Ultraviolence? I think that's her best album. I'm actually to be trying to remember which one that is. That's the, the one after... Born to Die. Yes, I did. And that's her best one. Okay. That's her most consistent album, I think. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people would say, no way, it's Born to Die. I disagree. She's nailing the whole, like, 50s era yeah. like, movie star What are some of the songs on that one again? Like, Brooklyn Baby, like, Fuck My Way to the Top. Okay, okay, like yeah. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe I tuned out a little bit. I definitely listened to that, but maybe I was not, like, a devoted listener at that point. Yeah. Because, yeah. for me, Born to Die was the one I listened to the most. Because I was on... I, I think what happened with me with Lana was I was big on the hype train when yeah. she came out. Like, I loved video games. I loved, like, Diet Mountain Dew. And what's that other song? The one, there was another Born big... No, oh, there was one... Oh, oh, Summertime Sadness? No, there was one other big... This is one. what makes us girls? Nope. It was, it's, I, we're not going to get it, and I'll tweet it. But there's another huge one from the from that Diet album. Diet Mountain Dew? I said I just said that one. Oh. We'll move on. Cause Off this is, the races. No. It's not that. It's, I don't know what you. It's that other one. Someone find this and tweet us right now, live in the studio. Someone call in with what the song oh, this man. is. It, like what else? I wear blue jeans. National yeah, blue, anthem. Are these blue jeans? 
Okay. Yeah, that was the other one that I that I had big hype okay. for before the album. That's way too much on Lana. <laughs> That's way too much Lana talk. The bottom line is, I think it won't be that great. Okay. The next, next one. Next category. I'm excited for this way more than the previous category. This, these are some under the radar. Under the radar. The indies indie picks. That's right. Uh, and we got a full length album from Sheer Mag, a Hell new yeah. a new full length from Sorority Noise. Big shout, Camp, friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. First friend of the pod of 2017. Yeah. We should and that's a real friend of the pod, too. It is. It's not like Obama or God, who we've also <laughs> said are friends of the pod. Um, we got Julian Baker coming out with a new album. Yeah. We have Japanese Breakfast coming out with potentially a new album. So these are some sort of under the radar. You know where I found that Japanese Breakfast one? I didn't know about that until I saw Christian Holden from the Hotelier posted this he was on a website. I don't remember what website. Some website took his like most anticipated albums. This was on there. I was like, interesting. Oh, Japanese breakfast, cool. Already quick turnaround for Japanese breakfast. So this is a good group here. This is a great group. I, it's cool to finally get a sheer mag full length. I, you know what? I really just hope it is. I'd be I'd be pumped if they just took their three EPs and turned it into an album. Oh really? So like no new material? Because be like. I haven't listened to those enough okay. to be like, oh, I'm tired of them. I want new stuff. Yeah. That'd be such an easy thing for them to do. Just repack maybe a couple new songs. Yeah, them. I'm not tired of them, and I would definitely enjoy that because I like every song on those three EPs, but I'm going to say that I'd be more excited by new material. Yeah. You know, okay, so if I'm picking a most excited here for me at Sorority Noise, I guess that's bolstered. I mean, obviously, we know Cam, um, and we're friendly with Cam, so that helps it. Um, you know what? Just so people don't. Accuse us of nepotism. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Sheer Mag. Most excited Sheer Mag. Yeah. I pegged you for picking Julian Baker. I know. I zigged. You thought I was going to zag. I was looking for a zag. I I, I, I was defending the zag, and then you crossed me up. It's due time we just get a crunchy, bluesy, yeah. hard-rocking record like this that you can like play at parties and like... Just the average rock fan's going to be super down with. Sheermag of this group might have the biggest potential to blow up because they're they, certainly... Oh, I, they, ah, they're still, no, Julian Baker. I think Sheermag has... Stone, you know, I think I think actually Sheermag has bigger potential, and I'll tell you why. Mm. They're starting to get on some festival circuits. Not that Julian isn't, but Sheermag has some of that, although albeit I'll give you there's a little more edge, there's a little more crunch... They have some of that Alabama shakes oh, sort yeah. of grooviness yeah, that yeah. that uh, good, good white call. festival goers who love to say they like soul music. Yeah, yeah. Not that she, I know Sheermag's not really soul. There's a distinction, but they have kind of that. There's yeah. an element of that. Her yeah, absolutely, voice, absolutely. Sheermag's lead singer, her voice has a lot, of, a lot of grit to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, I can see that being. A, I, you know what? You're right. If you're betting on one to be like the blog music darling. Of 2017, it's probably Sheer Mag. Yeah. Like, the, like, this is a huge debut album where, like, the average music fan, someone who's not following this stuff like we are, is like, oh, yeah, I like that Sheer Mag album. They don't, right. like, know the song names, but they're like, I, yeah, I like Sheer Mag. Exactly. Like, you know what I'm thinking of? It, it's someone like our friend Matt, who's, like, doesn't follow music oh, as closely as us, but if you put it on, he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I like I like this Sheer Mag record." Right? Yeah, and I, I think it's going to be really, really good. So here's the tough question, and I don't even know if we want to do this for this one. But is there one that you think is going to be the worst, or that you're the oh, least excited yeah, it's for? Yeah, Japanese Breakfast yeah. by far. It is for me yeah. too. Um, although, based on the album they came out with last year, or she came out with yeah. last year, I, this not, will be a pleasant little sub- it's album. Not, it's not that I'm going to dislike it or no. not like excited. It's that I just those other three are are huge for me. Right. So, no, I yeah. agree. I agree. 
So our last category here, Jake, and this is kind of a this is a huge collection of different stuff. This is the not actually excited for, but sort of excited for category. Yeah, we got a lot of different stuff in here. We got U twos, we got um, Dropkick Murphys, AFI, The Flaming Lips, Ryan Adams, Foxygen. Julia Holter what? live what? album. Right there, you go. That's the big Cause, disclaimer. Because I would have been excited for a normal Julia. So would Holter. I, and that's the reason I but included it's a live it. This is a live album. Gorillas, My Morning Jacket, Mac DeMarco, Craig Finn, formerly of the Hold Steady, William Bazinski, um, kind of atmospheric, ambient, ambient atmospheric. So there's a lot of different stuff in here. A lot of things to unpack. Here's a quick thought I had, and this is one where I thought there could have been a couple categories. My Morning Jacket. And the Flaming Lips and probably Foxygen and U2 are potential festival fodder. U2 sure. is one more like if they're going to do a GNR yeah. type of bring yeah. an old, old school group back, they could fit at a festival. But I, but I think these are more apt in this group for us. Agreed. Let me ask you this. So all of these are pretty much confirmed coming out this year. Yeah. Big if true. When I look at the, this list of people... I don't really get excited for many of them, and I'm more of a feeling of, great, I'm going to have to listen to this. Are there any on here that you're like, no, fuck it, I'm just going to skip it? There's, um, there's, a, there's a lot that I just want. Like, I'm, just, yeah. I'm not listening to Ryan Adams. I'm not listening to that. I'll tell you the ones I'll skip. Well, you can go first. I, oh, okay, I'll go. I'm not listening to Ryan Adams. I'm probably not going to listen to Flaming Lips. Yep. I'm not going to listen to you 2 I'm not going to listen to my morning jacket. I'm not going to listen to Craig Finn unless it gets, like, great reviews. I'm not going to listen to that Julia Older live album. Those other ones I'll probably make myself listen to, but I'm not, like, super excited about it. For me, it's a similar list. I'm not listening to U2. I am almost definitely not listening to Dropkick Murphys. I think I'm... You know what? Spoiler alert. That's my most excited for on this list. It got album of the week on Stereo Gum this week. It got, like, I'm, okay, I'm for kind them. of excited for this album to come out tomorrow. You know what? Actually, I don't have to listen to it because I'll see Dunkin' Donuts commercials. I'll get the gist. Um, <laughs> AFI, I'm going to skip. Uh, yeah. I'm going to probably skip the Flaming Lips. I'm going to skip Ryan Adams. I am going to probably skip the Julia Holder live album. Um, I'll skip maybe Craig Finn. Again, it's unless it gets great reviews. Uh, I'm sneaky excited for this William Bazinski album. I, atmospheric albums are right up my in my real house. I started to be way into them because what I do and what I did with Brian Eno, yeah. I just pop it on when I'm reading or meditating. It's amazing, dude. It, I finally have figured out like why these exist. It's yeah. not to listen like you listen to normally, and they're great. Yeah, and, and Brian Eno's new album Reflections, which is the one you're referencing, is actually. An even better meditation album than the album the he came out with, loops. or no, than with what Brian Eno came out with last year, oh, which was okay. the ship. The ship was actually more sort of tumultuous, and there were more vocals. It was more dynamic. It's about the Titanic sinking, right? It could be, uh, sure. Okay. I don't really know. <laughs> okay, I, I think I read. Yeah, that that's unconfirmed. That. That's alleged. Yeah. Um, but with this one, Reflections is literally one fifty-four minute track of just sort of like the same general. Like tennish sounds, it's like kind of yeah. all in the same key, similar tones, and very very relaxing. Yeah, I've like enjoyed it. that one. I don't know how um, we got off on that. We were talking atmospheric. Atmospheric. Yeah, so you're, you're most excited for Bazinski. Um, either that or the other one I'll put up there is for me someone I really like. I know you're not into is Mac DeMarco. I like yeah, Mac DeMarco a fair I, bit. Mac DeMarco, just so this is a lot like 
Run the Jewels for me, where he's got a deep, he's got a following online. Yeah. Some people seem to be all in on him. He just doesn't do it to me. And I gotta be honest, one of the reasons why is his whole look and his vibe. Like his he's like, I'm gonna be this grungy, dirty dude. You know what I think was a big part of it? And tell me if this was part of it for you. He had a pitchfork article or something that came out where it was like one of those ones where you scroll through it and you look at all the pictures, and there was one where he was dangling yes. spit out of his mouth. Yes, that's that's my whole thing. It's not it's not that reason alone, but it's that like, was big, big enough for that's me. That's a big that's a big thing for me. Where I'm like, dude, you're gross. I was in a similar vein. I've come around on Mac a, f- a fair amount. I wouldn't say I'm all in on Mac tomorrow, yeah. but I definitely like him a a, a, a lot more. He than He strikes do. me as the kind of dude who. Would you smoke cigarettes in your car without asking? Maybe. And like doesn't give a fuck? Maybe. And, like, just dirties up your whole space. He is definitely not someone that, like, I could see you getting along with very easily. Knowing, because, like, me and my, like, sensibility. Well, no, because you're, like, you're particular and yeah. you know what you want when you want it. Max seems like someone who lets the wind take him where it will. Yeah. And he seemed like at the end of his last album, he was like, come on down to my beach house. It's this address. See you later. And, yeah. like, that is the element of surprise and, like, letting life just take you where you go. I mean, I'm similar to you in that respect. Right. But I feel like you especially curate your life to exactly your taste. Big time. And, Big time. And Mac, I think. You nailed it. I think he doesn't so much. No. He sort of is like, 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 oh, I found this sweatshirt that a dead bum is wearing. I'm going to wear it. Now, this is my this is my tour sweatshirt. Right. I'm not going to wear anything else besides this this dead bum sweatshirt. Right. And I'm high probably most of the time. <laughs> allegedly. I'm, I'm Mac DeMarco. Allegedly. Uh, so, okay, it. so that's the one you're most excited for. I'm most excited for the Dropkick Murphys coming up tomorrow. What else is up there? There's got to be another <laughs> one that's close. Don't don't patronize me. Don't I'm not. don't devalue my excitement for the Dropkick Murphys. Oh, well, I gave okay? a couple. Come on, eleven short songs of pain and glory. Yeah, you're not you're not excited for that album. I'm not. Okay, another one that I'm I'm relatively excited for on this list. AFI. <laughs> oh, I don't know. All right, all right. Okay, I'm not really excited about any of these. I think Gorillas should be considered. Yeah, again, that's one that you're more into than I am. I also think Foxygen should be considered. They I, could, you never I know. I liked that debut. Didn't they come out with one like in yeah. 2014 that like yeah. sucked? It was like, and Star Power was the name it of it. It was like not good. Or so that's like why that. I'm like not excited. This, actually, Foxygen, if we liked them more, had potential to be like, and are we sure it's going to be good? Yeah. I think we don't know them well yeah, enough. Yeah, that's a good point. But they have had. I really actually like that first album. What's it called? Like the Ambassadors of Peace and Magic or something? Of course, because of course it is. They, for some reason, even though the music doesn't sound just like them, they remind me big time of MGMT. Because they're two. Oh, yeah. The voice. The voice sounds very. The voice, and they're two young guys. Like one of them has like curly hair. Yeah. Like kind of hippies. Yeah. Sort of actually, that's a lot of connections. I was like, oh, you know, it's (laughs) basically the only connection. I was like, oh, it's kind of a stretch, but they're kind of like MGMT. And then I'm like, well, actually, everything. They like. Exploded with that their first album and then had a not great second a, one. Yeah. Uh, actually, the, Although, I'll defend congratulations. Dude, congratulations is starting to gain steam as the years go by. Is like very underrated. You know what's funny about MGMT, and I'll keep this brief because we have more to get to. They have this rap, and I think we have a tendency to write them off as like, oh, they had one good album. The truth is, they've had three albums. Two of them I actually like a lot. <laughs> right, and I just don't really like their third one. Yeah. That's fair. That's fine. MGMT yeah. actually could be maybe they have a promising career. So the, the narrative around the them narrative is that has they been shit. For they them. fell off it's a cliff. Not, it's not fair to them, really. Uh, okay, so we do you want to pick like 
one in general that you're most excited for? Oh, oh, I have mine. I, I know. I okay, think mine's just Father John Misty is the one I'm most excited for in general. Yeah, well, and then I guess what I'll do, is, since I picked it in that category, is Fleet Foxes. Okay. is the general most excitement, and again, the one I think will be better than it, and I think will actually maybe be one of the best albums of the year, is Father John. Yeah. So I, but I think I, I'm most excited for the potential of a great Fleet Foxes yeah. album. Okay. If they come through with that. Vampire Weekend will be up there, too. Sure. All right, great. Uh, so that concludes our talk about most anticipated albums of 2017. So the rest of the podcast, we're going to spend some time doing our 2017 over-unders. So this had its roots as a sort of tossed-off idea we had early last year or at the end of the previous year for what would be a fun way to mix up the podcast. What could we do? I think we kind of half-baked it last year. We didn't, we did. we didn't really think it through all We the didn't way. have enough. Now, we're on like our third episode. Yeah. We're like, oh, let's do something like this. And I think they're, they were okay, and we kept through them. I, we, we continued them through the year, which I think is good, and we, we actually uh, tabulated at the end of the year, and we gave the end-of-year report. But this year I think we thought them through more, and I'm excited. And I'm excited at the potential for a new slate because I took a bath last yeah, year. Yeah, you did. You got killed. I went two and four. So for anyone who doesn't know what over-unders are, yeah. I'll give you a quick explanation. So what Jake and I are big sports fans. We enjoy talking about gambling with sports. We don't actually really gamble on sports. We just enjoy talking about the lines that are set for them. We enjoy talking about, um, you know, what a win total for a season is set at. A big inspiration for this is if you ever listen to, for example, Bill Simmons, his podcast, he and his guests like Cousin Sal and Joe House, they talk about the lines, and, like, generally betting, over-unders, yeah. stuff like that. So we thought it would be a fun thing to do to transfer that to music and treat the music year as kind of like a sports season. So what we have done, and we've come up with a bunch of different categories here, and we've set an over-under number. And what Jake and I need to do is we need to guess if this particular category is going to go over the number that we have set or it's going to be under the number we have set. And as an example, the first one that we have is are there going to be over or under 47 and a half best new musics from Pitchfork this right. year? And to just give it one last parallel of the sports, just to g- g- ground it in that a little bit, the over-under comes from, like, say in basketball, it might be the Warriors playing the Cavaliers, and the over-under for the game for total points might be, like, 220 or something like that. And so you have to, if you're going to bet that, you could place money on one of them. You either bet that the two teams will score an, av- uh, an overall total of under that amount or over that amount. So we're doing that with music categories. And so the reason that some of these are halves is to avoid the potential of a push, which means that, say we picked 47 Best New Musics, and that's what happens, neither of us get it right. Right. So you pick a half number so that it forces us to pick opposite ends of the spectrum. One of us definitely gets it yeah. right. Yeah. So, like I said, the first one is over or under 47 and a half best new musics from Pitchfork. So, last year we set our over or under at um, 46 and a half. It was. Uh, we ended up with 50 last year. So, we boosted this up a little bit. Yep. And, uh, Jake, what what did we end up doing? We, we stuck to a similar pattern as last year. We did. I took the under at uh, our line of 47 and a half. I think that last year... We hit 50. And so by we took opposites on everything. So Sean took the over on this. 
Um, so I took the under on 47.5 Best New Musics because last year, in 2016, we had 50, which is an exceptionally high year for Pitchfork looking at their trend. So they had 50 last year. In 15, they had 47. In 2014, they had 39. In 2013, they had 58, which is really high. And then 2012, they had 50. So I'm, I'm basically betting on a, on a downtrend year. Yeah, and my, my logic is... You know, even if it's slightly a downtrend year, I'm thinking it's only going to be slightly, and mm-hmm. I'll still hit it at like 48 or 49. But also, I think 2014, 2015 were kind of outlier years with low best new music numbers. I think we'd be more, we might get back to like a 2012, 2013, where we're safely in the 50s. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm counting on here. There's two ways it could go. It could be like, because of all these indie albums that are coming out, you have to hope those hit. I know. Because if they don't, you're, you're screwed. And even if they do, there's still wiggle room for me because there's potential for there just being a quiet year outside that. Yeah. It could be a thing where like a lot of those are best new musics, but other than that, maybe there's just not a ton well, of Well, you know what we're not accounting for that we didn't have a ton of in our list are all rap. the rap albums that are going to come out that just aren't really on our radar right now that Pitchfork loves to pump up even if they might not be the best. What I'll say is that the 47 and the 39 from 2014 has me at least a little excited. Maybe that's an outlier. 2014, if you recall, was a one, like the worst year in music this decade. But it shows that it's possible. Right. It shows that the, those years are in there. So you're basically like 2017 needs to be a slightly down year in terms of quality overall, or in terms of what Pitchfork thinks. Sure, that right. That's a great. That's a great qualifier. Yeah, exactly. That's a great qualifier. Exactly. Our next one is kind of in the same vein. So we have over or under six and a half album reviews that get a nine or greater from Pitchfork. So this is a score of a 9 out of 10 yep. or greater. Last year we had 8. We had set the over-under, I think it was at 5.5? Uh, yeah. So we you hit, hit that the pretty over. easily. We hit it in like September or October. Yeah, that hit early. So that hit early and often. Um, so basically what I've done with these two is I've doubled down. you got to double down. I yeah. took the unders last year, and in my mind I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to switch and then lose again. Right. So, uh, so I'm going to keep the under in hopes that for both of these categories, both Best New Musics and 9.0 Reviews, the under hits now just as a natural reaction to what happened last year. Right. So we actually set the line higher this year. Higher to So the, the under is actually easier sure, yeah. to hit this year. Yep. But if you look at the trends, 8 last year, 5 the previous year, 4 in 2014, yep. 7 in 13, 8 in 2012. So there's a trend here of yep. the more Best New Musics you get, the more 9.0 reviews you're going to get, obviously. So I, thinking that I'm going to hit the over on Best New Musics, double down, I'm taking over 6.5 for, for 9s or greater. So we'll see how it goes. Another rule we did is that we had to take the opposite this yeah, year. Yeah, I couldn't do the same. Because we had a couple of the same last year. Last that's year, we, fun. it's not because it's like we both got it. <laughs> and we were like, oh, that's not exciting for anyone to hear. <laughs> no. Our next category uh, was music minute listening totals. So last year, we talked about this in our last episode, Sean netted 82-something thousand minutes of music listening. I had 45,000. So we took our grand total, which was 128, something like that. Something like that. Bad at math. Um, And we boosted a little bit, assuming that for inflation, we're going to both listen to more this year since we're involved in the podcast and all that, and we're trying to stay up to date. Mm -hmm. We put our over-under at 140,000 minutes total um, between us listened to this year. Um, And so, again, following in the trend, I took the under. 
Because I feel like that is a big jump for us. Yeah, so I, I'm going with the over here just because I think you specifically are going to end up listening to more. I don't know how much more I can listen to, really. I think that was a, a healthy amount for me. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to end up listening to more. That might push us over that amount. This is something that, like, also we can't really track throughout the year. We can't track. We could technically influence it. Like, I could just decide not to listen right. to music. But right. that, that why would I do that? Right. There'd be no reason to do that. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, here's what's, what's weird about it. We talked about this in the last episode. Like, I listened to what felt like a ton more music this year than last year. Uh, or, rather, in 2016 than in 2015. But I actually didn't listen. I listened to like six thousand more minutes. Yeah. Then I th- I thought I had blown myself out, and I really didn't. Yeah. So you know, given that trend, who knows? Maybe like I might not. I might surprise you and stay relatively yeah, close to it'll center. Be, it'll be interesting. It'll we'll be see. interesting. Uh, our next one. This is a funny one here. Uh, we have over or under five and a half Kanye West Twitter rants in 2017. So Kanye, prolific tweeter. Yep. Infamous tweeter. We wanted to take advantage of this, get some action going we on do. the tweets. We We've got big bucks riding on these. <laughs> we do. So we wanted to qualify what a Twitter rant was, though, because right. it'd be really easy for Jake, who took the over here, to say, oh, no, that was a Twitter rant because he sent two tweets. Right. And me, it's more, you know, I want to say nothing's a Twitter rant. So basically what, under. what we wanted to do was look for ways to define what is a Twitter rant. So we decided on a group of criteria which we decided are it's a group of tweets that are subject that are centered around a vaguely the same subject matter that come out in quick succession. The tone is similar in all of them. It kind of is lashing out at a person, place, thing, idea, concept, general societal thing. Um, and for Kanye, another criteria that it can play in is if it's anything to do with his ego or his opinion of himself. Yeah, because that's a big rant thing for him. So yeah. we set the line. At five and a half. Five and a half. Twitter rants yep. in the year. Jake took the over. I took the under. This is going to be kind of a gut thing, too. Like, yep. yes, we have this criteria, but I think we'll know when we see it. We and will. if there's one that's up in the air that, you know, even if we look back at our criteria, we can't figure it out, maybe we'll do a Twitter poll. We'll say, was this a Twitter rant? Yep. And we'll have the listeners decide. Just just integrated marketing yeah, there. That's exactly, just a buzzword. Exactly. That means Follow nothing us on in this Twitter, situation. At Listen and Pod. At Listen and Pod. Uh, our next one. Over or under four and a half Kanye West at mentions of Donald Twitter uh, <laughs> of Donald Trump on Twitter. Really quick before we go into this, two thoughts. One, this is a direct at mention, so it's not just him saying like Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. He has to at mention him. The other thought is, did you see what Donald Trump tweeted on New Year's Eve? I don't follow him. No, I don't follow him either. But this like I was trending elsewhere. It was so, so ridiculous oh, wait, no, and I fucking funny. I did, I he did, goes, yeah. he goes, Happy New Year to all, even to my many enemies and to those who lost to me, who fought me and lost to me so badly they just don't know what to do with themselves. Love. That, that's a, a, a basic approximation of the quote. My favorite part is that he goes in and he goes, even to my many enemies. Like, dude, I, I don't want to get into Trump, but what... What's going to happen to us this I year? I don't know. I don't know. With this guy. It's be a wild ride. He's a caricature. So I took the over here with four and a half Kanye West at mention of, uh, of Trump 
on Twitter. Feels ambitious, but you know what? A year is a decent amount of time. It is. And with his buddy-buddy sort of bosom yeah. pals relationship yeah. with Trump, maybe he's tweeting at him about, like, he's like, at Donald Trump, great decision here to do this foreign policy yeah. thing. So, this is tough. What I'm banking on here is the fact that he'll get mentioned in Kanye tweets. He just won't be at mentioned. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping that loophole does, and we hit the under there. We'll see. So it'll be close. We'll here's see. here's my question: What kind of what do we do in the unlikely event that Kanye West should just delete his Twitter? Um, do I lose, or is that do we is there just no Twitter? So it's kind of a loophole; it doesn't really happen. That's it, I would say it's the same as not tweeting because he's deleted it before. Like he deleted, okay. he deleted it last year, right? But then like brought it back and would like do other stuff. Okay, so, so I would be you're just, like. Please bring that shit back. You're, like, hoping. So I would just be screwed if he yeah. deleted it and never brought it back. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I Honestly, gotta, yeah. there's a solid chance he'll do yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Our next over-under um, has to do with T-Swift. T-Swift. 11 and a half straight weeks at the top of the Billboard charts. At number one, um, Sean, you said that 1989 spent 11 weeks 11 atop the billboard. on the billboard chart. So here we're betting, will it basically... Beat it by any any, mark. any amount. So can it get to 12? Can it get to 12? Uh, or will it be under 11 and a half, like meet 11 or be under that? Uh, so I took the under here. I feel like based on the natural trend of things, like Red was a huge album for her. Yep. 1989 was huge. I think it'll continue to be huge. She's as famous as she's ever been. Can she keep churning out as many pop hits? I certainly hope so. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. Who knows if this album won't be able to stay Here as long. Here is my thinking on it. Yep. Taylor Swift has never been bigger. Yeah. 1989 propelled her to a different stratosphere of stardom. The thing that's going to save me here that I don't think you accounted for is the fact that streams now count as album sales, Jake. This is going over. So did you... This is going over. Did you just do this to trick me and make this point? No. I set the line. You took the under. I took the over. Well, I understand that, but you had this—you have this shit-eating grin on right now. <laughs> it looks like you're just like you're just pleased as pie. To, oh, I am. To, to say this, Jake, gotta be up on the the music streaming album sale. You're very right. Trends. You're very right. <laughs> I can't wait till this meaningless over/under hits for you. It might not. No, you know it's gonna be the best for you if I win this. Is if it doesn't. Yes. If, if somehow she releases this album. And then, like, a fucking another surprise Beyonce album gets released, yeah. like, three weeks in. Yeah. And unseats her ass from the... So, the, the thing that's going to save you here is the qualifier of straight weeks. Yeah. Like, this is going to spend a lot of time at the top throughout the year. But if I get something in there that is, like, relatively... Po- like, you know what's actually... Get, might fuck me over here is, like, Vampire Weekend yeah. or, like, The National. Someone who, who moves units. Yeah. Is going to be at number one for like one week. And then it's going to be right back to Taylor's. And you're also talking album, not like a song. Yeah. And the other thing is that streaming thing doesn't just work for her. It works. That works it, for everybody. Exact, not so it's exactly. like it's not like that doesn't exactly. make it a lock. No, I know. I know. It I know. factors in. It but the fact that she's not on Spotify. She'll do an Apple Music exclusive thing. and She she'll will. Do, she'll do what Drake did. Spotify would help. Big time. It would help a lot. Maybe for this one. I've heard rumors that she might be bringing her discography back to Spotify. Oh, I would so love that for one reason she, and not like it for this she one. She might. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I didn't want to do a bait and switch on you there, so I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I just liked pointing out the fact that <laughs> no, it was, just, it was just that I... 
I, I don't want you to feel like I was like tricking you. I look over and you're like grinning, fucking ear to ear. You're like, well, Jake, what you didn't account for <laughs> in this line that I made cheating is that this <laughs> is that it's already spent twelve weeks atop the Billboard chart. Uh, we have no, fun. Again. You're good. We yeah, we you know what. Couple pod guys. Good thing we're both betting thousands on the outcome. Yeah, we have a lot of money. We're, I actually, I'm in the hole a little bit. So if I don't hit on some of these, I might start losing digits to some. You know what we could do if we're, if we're confident about our picks, we could put a little action on it. Just I'll think about that. Wager. I'll think about All right, that. Think about it. Okay. You okay? We're gonna have to figure it out soon though, because some of these next ones are gonna hit pretty soon. That might influence it. This next one um, is over or under one and a half mentions of Kanye 2024 on Kanye's new releases that may or may not happen in 2017. So this one's tough because we have to figure out if he's coming out with zero or three releases this year. Right. And who knows? It could be anywhere in that span. Question. Yes. If Kanye is a guest rapper does a guest verse on someone else's record and he mentions it. Does that count? I, I think, think it so. should. If he goes dark and there's no releases from Kanye at all, do we wipe this one? I think yeah, I think it's just a we get because, because that would because it that kind of is the caveat there. Exactly. It's like on releases that he right. is on. Right. Right. Yeah, so I took the over here. I think it I think that it's safe that there will be two mentions of Kanye 2024 this year yep. on some album that he puts out. Yeah. yeah. And are you just thinking it's not going to be a thing? Yeah, I think you might get one. One. So I, I took the under. I, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be one. Okay. Um, so yeah. would it be... okay? I, I think you just want to draw a ton of attention to that, actually. He tweeted it like the other day. Here's a question for you. If you... <laughs> to his millions of followers. To his millions of followers. And he yeah. said it like kind of a lot. Yeah. Would it count if Kanye was like, maybe he doesn't say Kanye 2024, but he references, he's like, you'll see me in 2024 in the Oval Office or something like that. That counts. That counts. That counts. Okay. Yeah, that counts. Even if it's a veiled reference, it's a reference. Yeah. He's got to say 2024, though, and and something presidential around that. It has to be clear what he's getting at. It's got to be clear. There's going to be one in here. I know there's going to be one where it's like innuendo, and you're not going to give it to me. It's gonna happen. Where it's gonna I be like just, we're not gonna get a Kanye release this year. It's I think happen. we get one. I think we get one. It'll be it'll be cruel winter, whatever. Mm, yeah. Well, we'll see. So we gotta like not be great, and we've got a, a few more pitchfork related over unders. Yes. The re, okay, pitchfork. You might be thinking, listeners, pitchfork factors heavily into their uh, the way they discuss music, and that's because they're kind of like you know a big deal, and we have read them for a long time. And they're fun to kind of pick on yeah. and also learn about new music from, but also to sort of like, they're just a good reference point. They're easy they're, to make fun of. Is. They're easy that's what to... it is. Everyone knows Pitchfork, whether you like them or hate them. Yeah. They're still a vocal point in music writing. Yeah. So the fact that they also give a, a score with like specific decimal points to makes it... every single album makes it even more fun. So like... It's less exciting when Rolling Stone rates things on a, a scale of five stars and a billion albums get three and a half stars in a year. Or just four. You know, like that's not fun. Right. Pitchfork, when they give an 8.2, not best new music, yeah. compared to an 8.3, best new music is a lot of fun. So let's go through these back and forth. I'll take one, sure. you take one. So what we did is we said 
let's take five albums that we are pretty sure are coming out this year from major acts that we we like. Um, what acts? What am I? My grandmother? Major groups? Is Play that, that number. Is that a is that a number by a group you like a great deal <laughs> on one of their uh, records? Um, so the first one. So what we try to do is we try to pick what's a good number where it would be kind of tough to pick whether it's going to be over or under this number for the, the, the rating they get from Pitchfork. So the first one is we took the national, and we said, are they going to get over or under an 8.2 rating from Pitchfork? So for reference, I think Trouble Will Find Me, their last album, got an 8.3, 8.4? 8. 8. Was it 8.3? Yeah. Um, high Violet got a relatively Pretty high. I think an 8.9, 8.8, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So they trend high. But um, I think the thought here was maybe they're having a little bit of a fall and that they won't have as much sort of cachet. Yeah, here's, here's the thinking here. So I, I took the under, Jake took the over. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the, the bets here are if you have the under, you're thinking that Pitchfork gets a little bit tired of the same national sound. And, you know, they might not give them a low, low score, but maybe they just don't go best new music. And they might give them an 8.0 or 8.1 or something like that, or even a high 7. How pissed are you going to be when this gets an 8-3 best new music? Uh, no, I'm going to be pumped. I'm okay. actually going to be, I'm hedging. So here. you're hedging. hedging a bet because I'm like, you know what? If my favorite band yeah. comes out and has another great album, yeah. I, I win, really. There I you don't go. give a shit about losing this one. Level. And it's a win-win for me. And it's a win-win for you. So, so I doubled down. You're, you're betting here that like it's going to be a best new music. It's going to continue the trend. Just have that feel about yeah. it. They just seem like they're going to be, they have another in them. I hope. I really hope so. What's the next one? Uh, this next one, we have Japan Droids over under an eight and a half. So this is already in best new music territory. Yep. Uh, Celebration Rock was really high. I think Post Nothing was relatively high. So I think they were both. Oh, no, Post Nothing was maybe an eight. Yeah, I don't know if it was best new music. Um, you think they get Celebration Cohen? Rock was, was very, very high. Do you think they get Cohen to review this? I really hope they do. But here's, here's the thing. He might write it for here's, someone else. Here's the thing that you have to account for this. Pitchfork has an agenda especially with rock bands. And what I've noticed is with big with rock records, specifically the Hotel Year or Joyce Manor or some of those other ones, they don't get people to write them like Ian Cohen who they know are going to give it a really high score anymore. anymore. I think they, they used, used to let to. him. They used, they used to let him. I think they're so on to the fact that he's this like rock fanboy. And also like he writes for other publications and we'll maybe do one for them. So we'll see who writes it. That's going to depend. Basically, the bet here, again, is is Pitchfork going to continue their kind of agenda of shafting rock albums and big rock bands like this? Or, since Japan Droids are kind of a uh, a Pitchfork staple darling, is it going to go high? And the reason I took the over here is that I think when Pitchfork hitches their wagon to a band like they did with Japan Droids pretty hard... They like to have a little proof of concept in yeah. there. They like to kind of show, like, hey, oh, look, they're yeah. like this band we did. Sometimes they jump ship, but for some yeah. bands, they keep they keep up with them yep. for a while. And I think that a big comeback, if this album is is good, which I I'm here, it sounds it's like it's going to be good. good. Yeah, I f- I feel like we it's can. The question of how good will Pitchfork deem it? I feel we could get an eight six. I feel I, like I eight took six the under. Is, I think it's going to be slightly under. I think it's going to be like an eight three or eight four. I think we picked a good number. I think so too. It's going it, to be close. It could very well be, could a, push. be a push. We could, could get push. an eight five. So two things really quick. This is fun. These these ratings ones, and we picked specifically Pitchfork. I said because of the decimal points, also because 
trying to figure out what their agenda is for the year and how they're going to shape what they think yeah. music should be is really fun. Other publications don't do that as much. Like, you don't see Spin or Rolling Stone or some of these other ones trying to shape narrative as much as they do. Yeah. And it's fun to try and look at trends and figure out what they're doing. So this isn't because we love Pitchfork. It's because they're the most interesting. Right. Um, that goes a long way. So next we have Father John Misty, over under, eight and a half. Also eight and a half. So, so I hedged a little here because yeah. this is one of my most excited albums of the year. Um, but in the event that it doesn't get as much love as I am expecting it will, I took the under here, basically hoping it gets, we push and it's an 8.5 or we get an 8.4, which would be a slight decrease from what we got from Honey Bear, which I think was an 8.9. 8.8. 8.8. Yeah. So it would be like, I feel like that is a sort of a natural fluctuation for a band. Like that's still best new music. Maybe they don't like it as much as Honey Bear, which I think people are going to see as this magnum opus. Unless really what he has to do is beat Honey Bear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I have the over here. What I'm counting on is that based on what we've heard for songs that have come out already, Newport Folk Fest, the things he said, it's going to be more political. He's going to be taking a bigger look at society and mm -hmm, culture mm -hmm. and politics. Honey Bear was, there was some of that in there. It was mostly about love, though. I think he's going to set his sights a little bit bigger, and, and this is going to be a less insular, insular, record it's going to be more kind of expansive pitchfork eats that shit up they do i'm betting on the fact that they're going to love the political themes that are going to be on this album and it's going to go above that eight five yeah you know yeah i could see it yeah i, I can see it either way i, get, I don't that's the, that's i don't feel that i feel the least safe in my pick there yeah. The under there feels dangerous. Yeah. It yeah, does. And yeah. basically what I'm hoping for again is that fluctuation in their opinion of him yeah. in some way. Um, next we have Fleet Foxes. Uh, the over-under we set for the new Fleet Foxes album is an 8.2. 8.2. Uh, Sean took the under. I took the over. Um, I just feel like they can hit 8.3. I just think they'll get like a – even if they don't blow anyone's doors off with this, I think that they can hit a basic lowest of the low best new music with this. I think they can and should. The only argument here, and I'm I'm doing kind of the thing I did with the national where I'm hedging a little bit. I want this album to be really, really good. So I'm doing that thing where I reverse jinx it. Right. So you're hedging like I did with with uh, Father John. Yeah, so I I think the argument here, the narrative here is it's been since two thousand ten since Fleet Foxes came out with anything. Pitchfork's going to say, you know, we're not interested in folk music anymore. Unless there's a radical kind of yep. reinvention of the Fleet Foxes sound, they might say, this is past the music world by. This isn't the most relevant anymore. And I could see it getting like a 7.6, 7.7, something like that. 7.9. Um, so I hope it's better than that. I really, really do. Uh, but I think that's the one storyline where it could go the other way. I took the over because historically they've with a capital L, loved Fleet Foxes. I, yeah, and they've yeah, given think, them, like, nines. I think this one's pretty safe, to be honest with you. Like, the way that you're feeling... About Father John. Not good about Father John, I'm feeling that way about Fleet Foxes. I think this one's a pretty pretty easy lock. We'll probably switch somehow. Yeah, It'll probably end up probably, being wrong, both probably. of us. And then our last one here, we have Arcade Fire, over under an 8.6 from Pitchfork. So if you look at some of their past albums, you have... Somehow Reflector got, a, what is it, 9.2? 9.2. That seems high for Reflector. With the Suburbs getting only an 8.6. Yeah, it doesn't totally make sense to me. 
Um, Suburbs is better than Reflector. Yeah, Neon Bible, what, 8-4, and yep. then... Uh, nine seven for funeral. For funeral. Nine seven. That's that's high. But that was on the the height of that the, the is, peak of uh, of our that's hype basically what made pitch that like made Pitchfork right. that review and it made Arcade Fire. That was a kingmaker review right there. That people still talk about that funeral review as being the catalyst for like blogs like Pitchfork and Pitchfork specifically and what kind of helped explode those mid two thousands indie bands. Big review. So. My logic here in taking the under is I think Arcade Fire's stock has never been lower. People's stock in them. Yeah. You could make the argument, you say, oh, well, but Jake, Reflector got this 9.2 review. I think that they're going to hear the opinion of fans like you yeah. who listen to Reflector a lot and are realizing years on, not that great. Overlong, not that like maybe some of the songs aren't that great. And I think they There's see that. On and I think that. They they start doing what they did with Animal Collective, the yes. slow and steady oh, pull away of the wagon. Yeah, they start to j- they maybe don't completely unhitch, but they you know they lift the latch up. Fuck, they're getting ready to pull away. I'm feeling let so I have the over here. I'm feeling not good about this because I think you're right. I think you might be, it might be a situation where I like that Animal Collective comparison. You had Meriwether Post Billion that came out. They gave it like a nine eight or something. Super high, some absurd review. Super super high. The next album was Centipede Hurts, Centipede HZ. Gave it like a 7.7, which is being generous for that album. And then Painting With got like a 6.9 or something. Yeah. I think this might be the domino. Or, or, they Arcade Fire down. just comes out and does Arcade Fire things. Yeah. And they're right back. Maybe it's This way you could see us getting a push. I could see an 8.6 here. I could see an 8.6 as well. I think this is an interesting one because... Um, you know, an 8-6, it's the highest over-under we picked. So it's actually, yeah. in taking the over, you took actually the hardest bet of all of them. Yeah. Because you, there's not much wiggle room. There's only 1.3 yeah. decimal points above that that you could possibly hit. Right. Um, and I, I mean, like, oh, wouldn't it piss you off if it was an 8-5 in that situation? Yeah, it would. Right. Like, that would suck. It would. I feel okay about the under, but if my senses tell me anything, it's that I'm probably wrong. So you never well, see, know. these are a crapshoot. We are. think we know, and that's the thing about Pitchfork. What makes these so fun? You think you know. You think you know what they're going to do, and then you really you never don't. do. You, really you never don't. do. They're mysterious. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about maybe putting putting a little money on this. Nothing crazy. Just you make know, it interesting. Yeah, make it interesting. Um, and that that does it for our 2017. Oh oh, we have a new segment. New segment. So we're gonna. I, this is. Either the new segment or one of a few hey. new segments. We want to have a segment wrap up the show every week. Yeah. So, Quick Sean, little, tell, tell them what the new segment is. It's going to be called Recommendation of the Week. Yep. So, we talk a lot about new artists, new albums, new everything on here. We even talk about old stuff we've gotten into. Yep. So, so, this can be anything. Yeah. And I think we kind of started to do something like this when, when in our first few episodes. It was like, what are you listening to this week? Yeah. I think this is kind of the, it has morphed into just recommendation of the week. Like, what should the listeners check out that, quick, they, might, that they might not have, have known about before? So As a send-off. For me, um, I have a general artist to check out. I mentioned her at the top of the show. This is Julie Byrne. Check out, at the very least, her new single for the album that's coming out this year. Um, something Blue. Simplest Blue. Something like that. It's the single. You'll see it on Spotify. Um, also, if you have time, if you like that, look, uh, check out her her first album that came out in 2014. It's 
Uh, it's called like Windows and Walls or something like that. So I, you know, really, really standing behind my uh, my recommendations here with exact titles of things. No, it's all good. Um, I think people will know how to... Natural how to... Blue is the name of the song, and the name of the album is Rooms with Walls and Windows. So that was close. So I'm going to give you a little old school with mine. Hell yeah. My recommendation of the week is going to be, if you are a music listener and a serious rock fan, and you have somehow never listened to the stretch of four albums the Rolling Stones came out with between yeah. 1968 and 1972, we're talking Beggar's Banquet, um, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers... And Exile on Main Street. I have recently had this little rebirth of interest in the Stones. I have one a year with these four albums especially. Yes. yes. Um, they're amazing. And even if you think you don't like the Stones, I kind of used to think I didn't. they weren't totally for me. I liked some hits and stuff. These albums are legitimately all classics, and they're great. And when I listen to them every year, when I get back into them, I'm always astounded again at how much I like all of them. What's the one to start with for someone who... Might not know where to where to go first. That's a really really interesting question. I might go with, I might go with Sticky it's, Fingers. I think it's Sticky Fingers because on Sticky Fingers you get Brown Sugar, which you're gonna love because you probably know it. Wild Horses, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, You Can't Miss the first time, um, and some my, cool under the radar Sway. Sway is my favorite song on that record. It, I think it's my favorite too. Yeah. It's an awesome, and you get Dead Flowers near the end. Yeah. Great, honestly, Sister in, Morphine. In terms of Sister Morphine. <laughs> Why does the doctor have no face? If you're talking one of these four albums that is like just the most consistent at a normal single album's length, it's it's Sticky Fingers. Yeah. I think there's Exile can be a little long for a first and, listen and not hit heavy for a first listen because I think one of the good things Exile's about, the fine wine of these. It is. It is. I think the good thing about the Stones when you're revisiting is that you're going to at least know some of the songs yep. to get you through, so it's not all new, new stuff. And I think Sticky Fingers is the right place to start there. Exile, I didn't know any songs on Exile and that's the thing. Listen. If you know the Rolling Stones at all or grew up with classic rock radio at all, Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, and Sticky Fingers, you're going to know at least something. Because Beggar's Banquet has Sympathy for the Devil and it has Street Fighting Man. And uh, Let It Bleed has You Can't Always Get What You Want and Give Me Shelter. Yeah. So honestly, what I would suggest is go Sticky Fingers first, and then, based on the four songs I just said, pick the album that has the two you like the most. Yep. Listen to that one next, and then maybe the other of those two. And then, if you're if you're digging that Stones vibe, dive into Exile because it is very very worth it's it. Their, it's my favorite. Yeah. of any of their albums, um, it's the one you might, in the long run, end up liking the most. I think it's the hardest to get into. Though. It's the acquired taste because it's more about mood. The songs themselves are shorter, and in a lot of cases, they're shorter, and they're sort of like. It just has this grimy, mythic feel yeah, because they recorded it in the basement of Keith Richards' like mansion he rented in France yeah. while Keith was smacked out yeah. and the band was in all different directions and they just were in a sweaty fucking basement yep. and playing this rock music. It sounds like it. You know what's funny about that album? Mick Jagger doesn't really like it very much. What? He doesn't really like it. Why? He said that he he's like, I don't like the mix on it. I don't like the way it just like sounds. He's like... That's like my favorite thing about it. He is not into it. And so... And he's said, he's like, I wish I could remix it. He's like, I don't love wow. the way it's mixed. And, yeah, he's like, there's definitely a vibe to it. And like, he's like, I get why people like it. It's just like he, he doesn't really, he's not all in on it. So interesting. Sean's recommendation is Julie Byrne. Mine is that four-year stretch of Rolling Stone's greatness. Yes. That was a packed episode. It's a long one. Way to kick off 2017. Happy 2017, everyone. Here's to what we hope is a good year. Yep. See you next week. 
Now we are. Now we're recording. We're okay. on. Uh, this is going to be a long episode. Yeah. Wanted to keep the, the pre-show short. I do but too. I'm on my I... fourth day of no gluten. Oh, how's it going? Uh, my body hates me. Really? It. I have been so tired. Can't focus. Oh. Irritable. Weird, weird shitting. Like stomach aches. Like we'll just randomly feel nauseous. Really? Yeah, and I was looking it up. It's like gluten withdrawal. Is all of those symptoms basically shit? And I eat, ate a lot of gluten. Yeah, the amount of pizza I ate, beers, like cheese its and shit. That's all gluten. Like, I'm on a big come down from gluten right now. Wow, it sucks. Withdrawing from gluten—that's yeah. intense. Yeah. You like have the shakes, sort of. Really? Sort. Well, Are you like cold? Sometimes. Hmm. So they said you're gonna flu-like symptoms. Jesus. And, like if it's bad enough, you'll throw up. Did you know that going in? No. I was like, ah, I'll feel tired because I won't be having as many carbs, basically. Right. I didn't think it would be like... To this degree. You're randomly going to feel nauseous because your body isn't getting, like, the drug that it's used. That's basically what they said. They're like, it's... Yeah. Huh. So One more quick thought before we exit the pre-show, mm-hmm. post-show. Um, am I crazy for being kind of excited for NFL playoffs this weekend? You're excited. You're crazy if you're excited for that Raiders Texans game, no, I'm not, which I'm not like gonna watch. No, um, I'm pretty excited to watch like Packers Giants. Yeah, there should be some yeah. good games. I think what it is most of all, more than anything else, is that January really sucks, and, you need and the NFL playoffs fill yeah, a void you need big time. To get through. Like there might be some good games. Yeah. The, the Raiders Texans one is like a historical laughing stock <laughs> game. That's really bad. The no, NFL, no, you're, you're not crazy. Okay, I didn't know. I think most people are, like, excited. Well, no, but we've been down on the NFL this year, and, like, I've caught myself um, today, in the past couple days, like, actually being kind of excited. Like, I listened to a Ringer podcast previewing the NFL playoffs. They talked about each of the teams going in and, like, their ceiling and, like, how far they could go or how far they're likely to go. And uh, it actually got me a little excited for football. That's good. In a weird way. Not in a weird way. I I like that the NFL scheduled that... Raiders Texans game for four o'clock on Saturday. No one's gonna like, watch that. They're game. just like, okay, that's the one most people will probably miss. You know who's a really good writer on the Ringer is Shea Serrano. Shea, Shea Serrano's cool. And I read a piece just before this that he wrote about that game, and it was really really funny. Yeah, it, he's he's a good writer. He's cool. Just kind of an unrelated thought. I like him right there. I like him. Yeah. So there you go, listeners. Gluten and football they go together well, and during the the playoffs. I think you're going to miss some pizza and beer. I, I, this, yeah, is a, this is a test. I will. Um, this is your first temptation. The last temptation of Christ. So the, but this is the first temptation of Sean. That's Yeah. It's going to be tough. Football Sunday. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. Jeez. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. You know, like anything. Like any lifestyle choice with eating. You know what? I'm, I'm going to make sure that I don't, like, vocalize it to certain people so they don't throw it in my face. Yeah, big mistake that I made when I went vegetarian was telling anyone ever. Right. Like, I wish I, st- I would like, kind of wish people still didn't know. Right. Because I don't let, like, right. people be like, oh, like, we have to. Just don't draw attention. Facilitate that. I try my best not to. I try my best not to. Well, I don't give a shit. Right, I know. You know, you know. I do. Yeah. I, but you know that I try my best not to, like, be oh, yeah. in people's faces about right. it. Right, right, right. I rarely talk about it. Right. Or maybe I do. I don't know. Right. Do I? No. Okay. Good. All right, you ready? I am. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. 